Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's get it done, realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our fields. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. We have a true delight today, one of my favorite people that our team gets to interact with all the time. I have the pleasure of getting together with her regularly as well, because she works with my Alcova lender. So everyone say hi to Dixie Lowe. Dixie, say hi. Hello, everybody. She has a great accent, right? So I always picture being like, bless your heart is so much nicer than like what's in my head. But so you are a loan coordinator, also a loan officer for Alcova for Jonathan Sweat's team, right? So you really keep him running. Like it seems like he's got it all together, but it's because of you. Admit it. Well, partially. I mean, he can hold his own and we do Um, have other team members, but I feel like I'm a at least an important piece of the cog. Oh, you are. So let's be clear. So I have the Marjorie Adam team. So I podcast, yes, but I have a team in Charlottesville. Let's just be very clear that in theory, I am the boss. I have four people that work for me that are my bosses that keep things running the way they should. They take amazing care of our clients. So while my name's on there, I'm very, very clear. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to interview you is because I think lenders and realtors need to be more clear and pay more attention to the importance of the right team members in the right spot and what that does for the service to the clients, what that does for our joy in our jobs and what it does for making sure that we aren't working 52 hours a day, right? It's all of those things. And so too many people to me see extending a team or team members as just an expense. They don't see it enough as the benefit, right? Not only to our lives, but to our clients' lives. So you being that loan coordinators, and yes, you're a full loan officer too, but as the loan coordinator, I think it's really important for realtors and lenders. So realtors, when you hear loan coordinator and you're like, well, I'm not a lender, it does not matter. So Dixie is in our world, like your listing partner or your buyer lead manager or whatever it may be. You are helping with getting things done. So I think a lot of times if I interview people and it's on a realtor side, the lenders might think that doesn't apply to me and vice versa. And it's actually completely applicable to all of us. So if I send a client your way, right? So I'm a realtor and I send my buyer your way. You help receive the clients. You help manage the leads that are in process. Often you're that first contact, right? You're, you might be the first person that my client might speak to. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most oftentimes I'm the first person that a new lead will speak to. I try to create an environment where they feel comfortable and reinforce the relationship that they have with the real estate agent that's sending them to us and try to go ahead and get them started in the process and answer any questions that they have along the way. So if they're going to ask let's call them loan officer questions. You, of course, are a loan officer. Now I'm in Virginia. So are you. States are different. So my client closing coordinator can answer all questions in Virginia, licensed or unlicensed. So when people are listening to these podcasts, I'll think it's important in your state, you may be able to answer all questions. You may need to be a loan officer. So you are able to answer all those questions, not only legally, but because you have the experience, right? So you have the depth of knowledge to do it, which is great that you can do both. You can take the clients, but you can answer the questions too, because you are a loan officer. 
Right. And just having the loan officer hat and the loan coordinator hat on at the same time as I'm kind of going through the application or questions people have, that will automatically prompt another question that may help clarify things that may not have came to light until a little bit longer down the road through the process. But I find it to be beneficial and help streamline things a little bit too. I always say we know enough to be dangerous, right? So we're either helping a little or we did not help at all. But I think they don't know either, right? Like, and you don't know, oh, you need to buy, oh, you're self-employed, we go this way. Or, oh, you own another house, we go this way. There's so many questions. It's not just what's your credit, let's run this number, right? It's what are you hoping to do? How long will you be there? So you can really dig in to understand what they need. Then you can collect documents, you can set up that file. And then Jonathan gets tagged in, right? And he's able to have everything in front of him. You guys go over it together. The great part is, Again, because of your depth of experience, often he's just prepared. He has more experience. Sure. And the same with me, right? So my team can get things together and I say, ooh, I know this neighborhood. Or I know this special thing. So we're going to pivot a little bit because of that. But really, they're prepared to now meet with him for him to guide them on to what that next step is after they're pre-approved into the process when they found a home and onward. So I think it's just super important that that exists, right? That you are there not only for Jonathan, but for the clients. And I think it's something that, look, the market's harder right now. We're all aware of this. It's a tougher market. I think in a tougher market, people tend to shrink back. Sometimes we have to, let's face it. Let's be honest. The lending industry of two years ago is not now. If people went and now had 20 person teams because of volume, they cannot carry that. I understand there has to be some retraction, but I think there's also paying attention to As it gets tougher and as people cut a lot of things back, I think that that experience and what a team offers and the fact that, yes, someone could go online, but if they work with someone like you, the the service that they get, the questions that are answered, that all of that matters. And so I think as we continue on and we're going to have these ebb and flows, I mean, you said, I think, has Jonathan been what, 20, 24 years? I think he maybe 26 years. Okay, so I'm 27, so, probably 28 yeah. now because I've said 27, which feels like a long time. We are probably more, but let's just go 28. 28 years in, you've been through ebbs and flows. You've been through tightening of markets. We've been in 8 and 3% interest rates. We've been in no longer these loan programs offer, hey, by the way, 2-1 buy downs back, right? So we know the ebbs and flows from experience and time. And I think it's that level of service that people don't think about when they think I've got to do all this myself. So we're going to talk a lot about that. So one of the things as we were talking before, you said you being there, which is absolutely to freeze up time and that allows him to really do what he needs to do. But you've evolved, right? So the cool thing about you is you've kind of done it all, right? You started in lending. You started as a loan coordinator, friend of a friend, which is how this often happens, right? You use somebody's Mm -hmm. friend and their friend says, hey, I need help. You actually, at one point, I think you said you supported three high producing loan officers. Woo! One's often enough. Like, I really think if my team were in here listening now and they heard that there were three of me, that might be a little overwhelming. Yeah, every loan officer, just like every realtor, they all have their unique personality types. We have unique personality. That's so sweet. Unique. That's bless your hearts. Like, yeah, there, we're bless your hearts in different ways. That's very kind. That's why you do so well. You can just gloss over the fact that some of us are giant pains in the butt, but go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. 
<laughs> no, actually, it was a great learning experience to support three different types of loan officers and learn different personalities. So I welcomed that initial step into the business. It was a big learning moment for me. And then you took a different path. That company merged with another corporate company. You went from that kind of origination loan coordinating to post-closing, which is completely different. But another reason you're so well-rounded, I think, is because you've really had all the parts of the job. So you really wanted to be at Alcova, which is, of course, where you are now. That post-closing job allowed you to get your foot in the door at Alcova. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard wonderful things about Alcova and wanted to get my foot in the door. And so I started working in the, the post-closing team there, which was an amazing experience for me. And it did open a door that I was hoping for it to open ultimately and landed me where I'm at now. Which I think is amazing. So Jonathan was at a different company before. You had applied at that time for the position for a loan coordinator position. But at that point, he didn't need one. He had CJ, who's his son, who is now an, a loan officer as well, right? So at that time, though, CJ was more that role. And so there wasn't a spot on the team. But then you come to Alcova. You start doing post-closing. Interestingly, Jonathan comes to Alcova, right, with his team. And then I think it's funny because your name is Dixie, right? So you mm -hmm. then realize he's there. CJ kind of branches off and starts doing something else. And you say, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to reapply with him. He didn't put two and two necessarily together at that time, knowing that you were the Dixie that he was super excited about before, but didn't have the spot. And then you end up here at Alcova with him. I think that's super amazing as if, yes, this was absolutely meant to happen. Right. Very serendipitous, as I was saying before, and it just lined up perfectly. And I felt like our personalities meshed coming from the gate. I feel like that's, of course, an important piece. We're very different human beings, but the balance is beautiful. The balance in different personality types is really good. And I've learned a lot from him. I would say that he may have learned some things from me, too, along the way. I think that's super important. We don't talk about that a lot. So personality types being different, I think a lot of people think so I'm in this box. And so everyone I work with must be in this box. And so I think if you want to talk about different in theory personality types. So one of the things that's the funniest about, let's say me and Jonathan is we have the same core beliefs, right? We're both very, you treat people how they should be treated. This is how things like we're very similar in that way. I think we're similar core people, but I'm covered with tattoos, considered much more liberal. He is much more conservative. So if you think about it that way, for the people that don't look past that we're all the same, who don't have this open ability to really work with lots of people, you would not put us necessarily together, right? You would not think that we're not only really close friends, but really good business partners because we're very different. I am loud and out there. He is pretty reserved, right? Like, right. so... I mean, I've had him do dance videos that I'm not sure everyone thought he would ever do. And we joke all the time about our differences in a very respectful way. So I think that right. you can be very different people in different things, but philosophically and in our core, we're the same. So I love mm -hmm. that too. I think we have to have people that have different frames of reference that allows us to be more open people. And also, you're not afraid to call him out. He's not afraid to call you out. You have to be this way. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's this sort of like tyrannical, I'm the boss way of working. And that's not how we are either. Like we joke, like in theory, I'm the boss. Like it's more than theory, I'm the boss, but it's just not how we operate. But they will come to me and say, uh-uh, or do this right now. And I think it's because of that, that the team works so well, right? And so- mm -hmm. That's important for me that I don't think people think enough where this cohesive must be the same. And you can be very different and have a great relationship. 
Absolutely. And I think that it makes you a stronger unit, ultimately. I'm a more natural extrovert. He's more of a natural introvert. I have different thought processes than he has. When we're all brainstorming things, some beautiful ideas will come out just because of the different personalities that are present. So I think that's super important. So, okay. So Mm -hmm. now I want to get into some benefits of having a loan coordinator. Realtors think buyer partner, listing partner, transaction coordinator. Some of them to me are fairly self-evident, but not always. So I want people as they're thinking about who they have on their team or growth that they need to have. And I would argue, yes, it's a down market. You can still grow. Now, I'm not saying go out and hire 20 people, but look at your core team that's working with you. Look at the hours you're working. Look at the service your clients are getting and then realize, is this something that's going to carry you forward and help you continue to grow even in an off market? So we talked about a couple things. And one thing I totally agree on is you had mentioned it's a welcoming with to the team. It's getting people comfortable with the team as that first point of contact. I completely agree with that. I think that's a huge part of what you do. Right. Absolutely. When you get a lead phone call, you have someone who's looking to make a big jump in their life, buying a new house, buying a second house, or even refinancing. The first thing that's important to everyone on our team is to make people feel comfortable with us. I mean, it's a big transaction and it could take three, four weeks. We want to make sure that you're comfortable and that you feel okay to ask any questions that you have and that you feel confident in our ability to serve you. So I feel it's really important to establish that warm relationship. And it just makes people feel more comfortable about the entire situation. And there's two ways of looking at it. So like I'm the Jonathan and the team too. So I'm the team leader. My job is to prospect. My job is to be a rainmaker. I am to be in appointments. I'm supposed to be on the phone. I'm either leading or attending an event. I'm teaching or taking a class. I am in my consultations, my listing appointments, my buyer consults, showing homes, right? I am in meetings. So the flip side of that is the welcoming is super important. But the second thing is when someone needs you, they need you. When someone calls a lender or a realtor, like I need to buy a house. I need you to pre-approve me. It's not, please get back to me next week when you have a chance, pretty please with sugar on top of it. That's not it. It's like, I'm making this phone call. If they're a high D like me, you've got like a few minutes because I'm super impatient and I don't know you yet. So I'm not connected to you yet. So maybe I'll call this guy over here. So I think what people also miss is you've got to be available, right? Because right now we are still means to an end. Right. Until there's a connection to us, unless they know us, have worked with us before, strongly referred, we're going to talk about later. But right now, it's I need to know. Right. I want a pre-approval. I need to know your rate. I'm sure that cracks me up. I've never uttered those words in my life. But like, what do you charge? What's your rate? Right. Like, it's like, oof. so I'm a commodity still, but I'm a commodity that has to respond quickly. So you being available, number one, takes care of their immediate need. But two, I can't stop everything I'm doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I know we're in a buyer consult. I got a phone ringing. You know what I mean? We can't do that. So that availability is key. And that availability with someone with knowledge that can help them, that is more extrovert, that wants to talk to them, right? Like you couldn't be like... So you want a loan. I guess you got to fill in this application. Yeah, all right, whatever. Jonathan will call you. But I mean, you cannot be. Right. right? And instead they get you like, you're like, I was like, right away, I just want to talk to you more because I'm like, oh, she's so sweet. But I mean, you have that. So I think people miss that too. It's like, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. Mm -hmm. That's going to work well for you. Or I'm just going to stop what I'm doing at all times because now I have to answer the phone, which means that's why our businesses ebb and flow so much too. So one, you're available. Two, you're super friendly and knowledgeable, right? And think about it too. Like when the realtor calls the lender and says, I need a pre-approval, we'll talk about the lack of planning later, but they mean now too. They don't 
mean six hours from now. And it's like, I don't know what to write and what's the rate. Like there's these questions that access is super important when we are in the beginning, a commodity. What I mean, like, yes, it's relationships. I would never treat you like that as my lender, but until they need you, they need you now. And then the number one complaint is lack of communication that people have with their realtors, certainly lenders. So you're also there to fill that super huge need that is there. Like it's not going to wait three hours. At that point, they gone, right? They've gone on 800loans.com or whatever, right? It's true. We got to get to them. So I think that's super important, right? I think the welcoming is really important, but the fact you're available, oh, you're here for me now, not I'm an important person to you yet. So that communication, mm-hmm. but I think what we all has to get over. So how do we say this the nicest way possible? And I'm a high D too, right? Personality wise, we like things the way we like them. And so we as business owners and people are a tiny, itsy little bit controlling, shall we say, right? Like we like in our way. And by the way, it works best when we do it. And that means I've got to do everything, which is impossible, right? So we've got to get past that to grow, right? So a lot of people are still in that stage. Some people now have gotten past it, but Look, if you think you're going to be all things to all people, you can't. One person cannot do all things well. It will not provide great client service. It will not do you any favors. It will also not allow you to have a life, right? So if you are someone who's still thinking I'm answering the phone till two o'clock in the morning, right? Or oops, I woke up and I realized I didn't call that person back. That is because you don't have someone like a Dixie, right? That is there to be your partner, to be that person that the client gets great service from immediately. So I think that people don't understand the importance of this. Um, which I don't understand, but I think it's fear in hiring. People are afraid to hire, or by the way, they hired someone six years ago. It didn't go well, right? Because there was no process, no system, no interview. It was, oh, you're breathing and I'm desperate. So here you come. Wow, that didn't work. I'll never do it again. That's very common or fear of the market and supporting someone, right? It is hard. It is very hard. We're not trained business owners. We are realtors or lenders who kind of got set loose and we were like, oh, look at that, right? And then we figure it out. So for everyone listening, who's like, oh, that's me, right? Like, look, guys, I can input a listing. Like I could have been a champion. If there was an Olympic sport for speed of inputting a listing, I could have won. But it's not my highest best year right now. At this point, Bethany beats me hands down. I'm like, how do you do this? But that's not my highest and best, right? And so I've got to stay in my lane. And you have a great lane of support that you offer to the realtors, to Jonathan, and to the clients. So I know I'm spending time on this, but I'm finding that too many people are confused about the importance or reason, right? And it's like, well, I know everything. I should answer the phone. Okie dokie. But then you can't be in the appointment and you can't be your kid's soccer game and you can't get some sleep. And then you're on your computer at two o'clock in the morning trying to gather documents. Like that just, just doesn't work. So yes, mm-hmm. at a time when we start, you have to be all things. But as you grow, you got to find a Dixie. Now you can't have Dixie. Dixie's Dixie not going nowhere. No. But you got to find a Dixie. So I just think spending that time on that on something like this is super important because I think it just cannot be drilled in enough that as we become more commodities, I'm a firm believer that as people want to negotiate commissions and they can find something cheaper here, there is that audience I will never please that will look for the cheapest, but there's the audience that I'm going to continue with that wants the best service. They want the expert. They want that team. They want to be treated like it's a concierge process, right? They want to know everything's taken care of. We will have that value and continue, but we have to provide more of it. 
right? We have to learn how do we stand out based on the things, our expertise and our designations and the services we offer, right? Because otherwise I'm just competing with an online service that can beat me in some ways if I'm just going to be a commodity based on price, right? And so when you have someone like you, right, that they really love Jonathan, they really love you, they really love Ellison, like they love all you guys, right? They love Helen. They know that you're there to help them. That's a huge value, right? To the people who you're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Sounds a little so boxy. Look, it's a tough market. People are tired, but it's like, who am I? What do I offer? How do I stand out? How am I going to continue to take great care of my clients? And having a Dixie, a loan coordinator, having people that are there to be there for the realtors and clients is important. So mm-hmm. speaking of this, Let's give a few mm-hmm. helpful hints for realtors. And what I thought was right is your husband now is also gotten a license, right? So you're able to share some of your wisdom, some of your Dixie wisdom with the realtors. Mm. So let's go through, and I agree with yours, let's go through some tips. Now, lenders, you can share these with your realtors. These might be good tips for you too. But really, if we're trying to work together, which we have to. So one of the first one you mentioned to me is have confidence in referring your lender if you're a realtor. What do you mean by that? So of course, as a realtor, your business is everything. You are your business. Knowing that you have folks out there that you can trust in all arenas, whether that's inspection, lender, no matter what arena, knowing that those are the people that get things done for you. When you're speaking with a client, make sure to have them understand your passion towards your lender or your inspector or whoever you're addressing at that moment so that they feel comfortable coming to us immediately if they decide to do that. And also once they're there, they already feel like there's a relationship and there's trust built. Offering multiple different names to people is not really solidifying a deal or creating a level of trust for folks because you have three names, four names on a piece of paper. Of course, it's perfectly okay for folks to have multiple options out there. But if you have someone that you trust that rides the bus with you, make sure that you send that home when speaking with them so that when they come over, there's that level of trust and everybody can kind of have a warm welcome with one another and get the process moving along. Yeah. And I think that's an issue a lot of people have. I call it like giving weak referrals. And here's the thought process behind it. And here's why it doesn't work to me. So I think that at some point somewhere in real estate 101, somewhere in the country, there was the thought that it's a rule that you have to refer three people. That's incorrect. Just so we know that's not true. But let's play this through. So I'm the realtor, clearly, you're a lender. So now let's say I have a client, which is of course the goal. But if I am their trusted realtor, right? Part of what they're coming to me for, if we're working together well, is they trust me, I'm their advisor, I'm their negotiator, I'm the one that's gonna get this done. And let's make it clear, like if you work with us, it's like, here's our system and our box. This is how we play. We always tell clients, you always have a right. I'm gonna refer you to my inspector. You always have a choice. I'm gonna refer you to my attorney. You always have a choice. I'm gonna refer you to my lender, meaning you are not just by working with me locked in with these people. But when you follow my way of doing things. It works really well. When you go off the ranch, it doesn't. Now, I think that when we as realtors, so I'm the realtor, so I'll speak this way, refer multiple people, it's having no confidence, but it's also giving my client more work. When you think about it, hey, Marjorie, I need to get pre-approved, which by the way, we're not meeting until that's done. 
well, here's a bunch of names on a piece of paper. Good luck. Call me later. Well, then why are they with me? Because I can go online and Google it. So I can Dr. Google lenders and realtors. I'm with you now. So I want your expertise. I want your advice. Now, as we know, some clients may not follow it, but if I'm just giving them more work to go out and farm through three or four people who one doesn't call back, and then that's being a weak referrer. That means I have no confidence in anyone else and I'm not valuing your time. That's the second part to me that it says is, well, good luck. Let me know how this works. That is not how we do it. So to me, it is, if you are now the client, Dixie, it's Dixie Hayes. So as we're going to be today, I need you to be pre-approved. You mentioned you have not gotten that process started. We don't have a lender we're working with. I am going to refer you to my lender for pre-approval. Now, you are going to talk with them. You're going to love them. If you, though, decide that you want to go another direction at some point, we will discuss that further. But this is where I want you to start. They're going to take great care of you. They're going to get you pre-approved. And frankly, you're going to be excited to work with them. But to get started, this is the information we need. I don't need you spending hours hours talking to multiple people. A rate is a rate based on your credit. A rate is a raise based on the market right now. And if you do talk to someone else, we are going to compare all of your costs and your fees and your payments and everything because apples are apples. If someone sounds too good to be true, there are. Here's how we're going to start. How does that sound? So I think the thing is, it's, I know you do a good job. So it happens to be you guys, right? I know I can count on you. I've never had a loan ever that you've pre-approved that hasn't closed on different terms that you promised that the clients weren't thrilled with. I'm sure of this so I can refer. So to me, the giving the client more work is first, not why they came to us. They came to me for advice, negotiation, strength, right? Get me to closing. This is who's going to take care of you, not for good luck. What's the point? So I think people need to learn how to refer with strength. And the fact is, let's flip this too. Quite honestly, you as a lender, now we're in a little bit different towns too. So frankly, in terms of most of your people are a little further than I would service, but I also don't want a lender that's going to say, call these five realtors. I am sorry, but that's awful. Please don't do that to me. I don't need to do five mm -hmm. more analysis. I would prefer that you say for this one, call Marjorie. For this one, call Stacy. I'm making these people up, but refer one strongly based on the client needs, based on geographical area, based on price point, based on neighborhood. Wow, this person's super detail-oriented and tough. I got to send them to someone who's willing to spend the time. One, because otherwise, once again, it's, hey, I'm just going to give you a bunch of names. Go interview five people. Who wants to do that? I don't got time for that. So what I'm saying is if we can learn to purposefully say, this is the person you should call. This is why I appreciate you may want to shop. And we'll talk about that. But this is who I highly recommend. We're at least going to start here, right? Because this is how strongly I feel and why. My team works with them. They did all of our loans. They're really good at what they do. They are the ones that are going to get us what we need, right? So you need to learn this skill because if I'm going to pick someone to work with, I don't want to go to my financial advisor and say, I need an accountant. And here you go. Here's three names. Are you kidding me? I want, who do you use? Who do you like me? I'm a high D. I'm very terrible at going to appointments. I just need someone to tell me what to do. Who's the person, right? I don't need to interview three people. I don't have time. So I think we need to think about that. Like people are like, what if they do a bad job? I get it. But then you don't have that relationship and it means you're not vetting and really in relationship with someone. Again, I think there's all these excuses we can make, but I think that making sure that it's a strong referral, right? That we make from the beginning only strengthens them knowing that we know what we're talking about, right? 
They can go to other exactly. people later. They have the right to choose who they want is the absolute truth. You may work with whoever you want. Here's who I recommend. So I just want you guys to get better at that because I think it shows weakness as leaders that we are to take them from, I'm going to sell you a house. And this is going to go well. We're going to get a great inspector. We're going to have an amazing lender. We're going to have an attorney that will show their teeth if necessary to get this done for you. Let's go. Not, oh, work with whoever you want. It doesn't really matter. Who cares if we close, right? It's like, uh-uh, it's not how it works around here. So, right, I think we need to really develop that skill. And I think that that's mm -hmm. appreciated from all. I think that them saying, here's the person, let's go. And versus good luck with that, let me know. That's like our ship's going to go in circles here. So, I yeah. wanted to share that script, which is you got to develop. Here's what we're doing. You have a choice. Go here. Let's go. Right. Like to me, it's like right. keep playing. Right. Let's go get this done. And if you don't have those people, then it's forming those relationships. It's finding in your town because people here are across the country. Who are your people? You have your core team and then you have your secondary team and your secondary team is realtors and lenders, especially realtors. Lender, insurance agent, home inspector, closing attorneys, title companies, whatever you call them, right? Who are those people? Because you've got to have relationships with them. They need you. You need them. Our success together is what gets us through this, right? So right. And we're a reflection of each other the whole way through. The whole way yes. through, the customer is in their mind creating this as one large experience. And yes. every person that they interact with along the way is a reflection of the other person. So if you're referring people that you can trust, that's going to reflect upon their experience with you positively, that's the only way to do it. Again, it's a skill set. And I don't know if it's a fear that someone will let someone down and I get that. But the flip side is I'm well, 50 turning 52. I've done this 28 years. I am not letting someone else drive a train and then it's a nightmare and then nothing works. And then we don't get a loan commitment or whoops, we didn't get this report or they didn't order. Uh-uh, We're just not doing that. Like we are going to make this a well-oiled machine with great service from beginning to end. Right. And that is what we expect. So if that is your expectation, then you've got to take back control over things. You can't be like, I've heard that's a terrible attorney. Sure. Let's work with them. I'm like, uh-uh, mm -mm, nope. Right. So it's like, no, girl. So I think it's mm -hmm. got to be part of what we do. And it maybe it's time in business, but I think it's also, do you really care about that client? Then you advise them that way. All right. Right. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's very important. Number two, I think this is super important too, that when we say, hey, I need you to get pre-approved, we need you to have pre-approval, which for us, we're going to get too soon because I don't understand this is the first step. But I think coaching the realtors on being clear what that looks like. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in a pre-qual that they made a phone call and someone said, well, it looks like you're breathing. I saw you on Zoom. Here's a letter. Good luck. Gosh, I hope this works is not something that's going to work with me. So we want an actual pre-approval, which means we have to have enough understanding, once again, realtors to be dangerous, but we have to be able to say, here's what you do. Here's what it looks like. So give us a couple basics. How are we preparing these realtors, right? Especially, but the client as well, because sometimes you're direct to the client on what you need or will ask so that the pre-approval can be done. Generally speaking, I like to have the idea that realtors kind of understand also the expectation of what we're going to ask for to go ahead and prep their clients for that. Things, of course, that are general information like their addresses, their work history for the last two years, but also preparing them for the amount of documentation that we'll probably ask for as well, because sometimes that can be a little daunting. It depends on the personality type that you're requesting it from, but just documents that support their work history or their income history. 
and also their residential history and just preparing them for what we're going to ask them, which will give us a little bit of a more warm reception when we're asking for these things. And ultimately, we're asking for these things to give a pre-approval letter versus a a flimsy pre-qualification letter that's actually going to benefit everybody, including them, because their offer will be looked at more seriously coming from someone who is actually doing a full-on pre-approval versus a pre-qualification. So just prepping them for, hey, these are the documents we're probably going to ask for. We're probably going to pull their credit. This is kind of the expectation. And if they can have a little bit of that heads up, then it makes it much easier for us. Yeah. So they don't wonder why do you need this? Because we also have, remember, depending when they last bought, oh, last time I bought, I just need to tell you my name and give you my social security number. Right. And it's like, ah, that was a long time ago. That was not recently. I didn't have to do this last time. Well, you do this time, right? And it's also, yeah, do they have to run our credit? Let's be honest, like their credit is pretty much the basis for their interest rate. So yeah, got to run it. No, we don't need to run it 10 times. No, it's not going to kill your credit. We have to have this data. So having them prepared, I think is, look, you're going to complete an application. It's going to involve some paperwork. You're going to need it in the next couple of days if you get this house anyway. So if you give it now, you don't give it later. So we really make sure they need to know that. And we need to know that because look, Let's flip this. So I am not going to show houses without someone being pre-approved. It's not going to happen. So client consult, we want a pre-approval first. Well, the client consult is explaining the pre-approval and then setting up their search and understanding parameters and payments. I can't set up a search if I don't know what they can afford in the range I should be in. And then I also need to know their payment that they're comfortable with because just because they got pre-approved to $8 million doesn't mean they're going to like the payment. So if we're going to advise them properly, frankly, to start with, set up a search that they then love what they find, but third, don't waste our time, then that pre-approval is key. So to me, making sure they do it And plus in this market, I'm sorry, you better be pre-approved and I better feel really good about what you can purchase if you're competing on one of my listings, right? And furthermore, I got to feel good about the lender, right? So quite honestly, if there's five offers on the table, of course, cash is king, but if there are five offers, that all matters. So I think setting that buyer up for success is your job and our job. Right in this market, Mm -hmm. I got to make sure I guide you through. It's frustrating enough with depending where you are in the country, multiple offers or whatever it may be. No, you can't negotiate still most of the time. No, you can't get seller paid closing costs here most of the time. So we got to make sure we're clear on all those things. So, yes, hey, there is an application process. Yes, you're going to have to have some documents. Welcome to buying in 2023, right? It is what people expect. So I think them being clear on that is really key. Part of the process of advising our clients through the process. the way we need to as professionals, I think is something that we got to be clear on. And if we haven't run an application a long time, maybe it's calling our lender and saying, hey, what do you need? Because then maybe I can guide them a little better on the front end. Oh, you really need that already? Okay. So let's have some knowledge on that because that's important. Another thing I think with you guys and also the process One thing I love about you is you're very, very hands-on. So my biggest pet peeve. So I remember when I met Jonathan years ago, so he and I met and it was like, what do you look for in your lender? Which is what I think if you lenders are interviewing realtors, hint, hint, what are your pet peeves about lenders is an important question. But to me, it's like, do not make me chase you down for information, right? Like I do not need to chase you down and find out if they made application. I don't need to know that a house didn't appraise two days before closing. I better know that fast. Like, Hit me with the big rocks. If my clients aren't getting you what they need, I promise I will help, right? Like if you are hunting stuff down, I assure you, I will get right on it. But so there are things that we have expectations. We're all also different. 
how we want to be communicated with, how often. Some people are like, I don't care, just make it close. Okay, that's not great, but that might be a way to make that work. So you guys are super hands-on with the realtors and the clients. We get calls, there's videos explaining needs or the process, and there's updates to the parties that I think is super important because to me, I think a rule is if the client calls us, and ask the question that we should outset to them first, then we lose, right? So our processes are built on, if I have a client that has to call, when is the inspection? That's a loss. That means we didn't forward communicate, right? Same thing with this loan process. If I get a call that says, hey, I have no idea what's happening, or I don't know this, or I never saw this. I'm like, uh-uh, that is not like, first of all, not my job, but also makes us all look bad. So you mm-hmm. guys, I think have developed a process that many lenders need to that's very forward thinking, right? So if I'm a lender, frankly, I'm sitting back in my office going, okay, let's literally script this through from the first time someone might call in to closing. What are all the things that are evident to us, but are complete news to them? Like, by the way, you can't come with a cashier's check. Those don't work. And when am I expecting documents? Shouldn't I get the numbers today? My final closing numbers? Uh Uh-uh, those come out like closing, right? What are those things Mm -hmm. that are stopping blocks, right? What are things people don't understand? What are things that are not natural to them that we can forward explain? You guys are super good at it. So I would say lenders be hands-on, but also hands-on in the way that the realtors also appreciate, right? Like if they have a team, who do they communicate with? Not necessarily me all the time, right? It's, It's Brittany. So knowing your partners and what they need, you guys are excellent at. That is something that I think in any market, definitely this market as well, being more hands-on. So how do you think you guys kind of really, I know it's time and gone by and maybe each of you adding to this, but the hands-on process, how do you think that you got your processes so dialed in? So I think with exposure over time, the questions that you get trigger you to know, hey, we probably needed to have this conversation so that this question didn't have to come in. And if that question comes in five times, 10 times, then there's a lack of communication. So that needs to be fixed. And whether you do that through weekly touches with folks in your pipeline, which Jonathan is amazing at doing videos, if you implement a system that will actually send out videos on your behalf, when you reach certain milestones, all those things are great tools for helping you communicate. So it's not you feeling like you have to communicate all the time. Unless you know that your referral partner prefers that. And then in that case, then you may want to shift gears. But just touching with folks and paying attention to the questions that you're being asked should be a red flag. Hey, we need to put something in place here because we're spending a lot of time answering this question. So let's get ahead of it. And it's very important. We look at ours. We have very detailed checklists. I'm a very detailed person. So literally we will tweak it. Hey, this came up. Even if something comes up once, we had some super weird thing come up. I think it was like a septic inspection that had never happened to me in 27 years. We've added that as a check. That happened once. It's now something we double check because could it happen again? Yeah. So you learn every time you go through. But also I think one of the things... We hadn't talked about this before, but I think it's super important is also how you communicate to the borrower because you guys all understand PMI and CDs and DDDs and all the internal loan speak that I'm mostly in, but sometimes I'm like the what? So I think we all have to realize that, oh, you'll get the CD by the PMI with your S. People like the what? So we've got to also speak in a language that the borrower, with realtors as well, right? We'll be like, well, the HERCA is coming your way. A home inspection removal contingency addendum. They don't know what that is. So 
we've got to speak in their language, right? Just because, well, well, you're going to get three days for that. Well, yeah, it's because I do it every time. They read it once or were told once. So educating along the way, not over speaking to something just because it's rote and, and routine for you is hugely important, right? And especially, my God, the first consultations and then the first contract, all the things that they're going to have to do and the deadlines they have. And is that business days or calendar days? It's constant making sure it's here's the next step. Here's what you need to be doing now. Hey, don't mm-hmm. worry. You're not hearing anything right now because, you know, inspection's done. We're just waiting for the appraisals to come back, right? It's still a touch point that allows them not to freak out. So I think let's learn their language and make sure if we're using ours that, hey, the CD is going out today. Oh, it's the closing disclosure. It has to go out three days before you're going to get to approve it. Maybe do a video on the closing disclosure, right? So it's like, right. how are we making sure that these people are like, I don't know what they're talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. that's key. And then I think one thing that's really strong on your team as well is you guys, your internal team communication, which then has all of the processes work well. Because for me, so on the real trend, students will often say, hey, there's a lot of confusion with clients on my team, like who does what and when there's just confusion. And I think, well, if it's not set up and explained properly and handed off properly, that can happen. But when the clients are very clear on who the person is visually as well, and what they do and what their role is, and then they're properly handed off to the next expert, I think that is important, which results in your internal team communication and processes that are then very clearly presented to realtors and clients. And I think that's a weakness people have. If they have a lot of people, there isn't the intro properly to, hey, right, I'm Dixie or I'm Marjorie and I'm taking care of you right now. It's, wait, who's that? Who am I supposed to call? So I think you guys have really mastered that. And I think that's a key for lenders, small teams, or even larger teams is, is your internal systems and communication strong enough that that translates well to the client and the realtor? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Setting the expectation of what they can expect moving forward, not just in the process, but the person they may encounter is something that we always want to try to vocalize with them or communicate with them so that they have that understanding so that there's not the confusion. Hey, I got an email from this person. And is this a real email or is this fraudulent? Or no, they know that our processor is Nicole and they're heading into that step and you may receive emails from Nicole. So all those things are important. And I feel like it keeps everybody feeling more comfortable and less fearful on the roller coaster ride. It is one. So we're going to give a couple little tips as well. So some realtor tips and some lender tips. So one of them, so realtors, I don't understand showing homes without your clients being pre-approved or at least pre-qualified if we're going to use this language. But I think that like today we had a showing canceled on one of our listings and it was because they couldn't afford it. And I was like, well, what? Like that would be something I would know before in theory. Now we all know, hey, Marjorie, I want to see this house at four o'clock today. Okay, we're getting you in front of the lender. So there can be the anomaly as we were in the process, new client fast. So it's it's not perfect. But to me, that kind of system and then also thinking about if it's been more than 90 days, right? If it's been more than three months or if it was last year and the buyers reappeared, you better have them go back in front of you because things are a tiny bit different than a year ago, (laughs) right? In terms of programs, rates, everything. So proactively paying attention to, this is when I started working with them in January and we got them pre-approved. It's now April. 
I better have them do an update, right? Because if we find them something now, that letter is maybe not going to be good anymore. Or we're going to have to rerun numbers. So I think us proactively paying attention to that and staying on top of that and having our clients, and it's as easy as a Google reminder, right? If they started working with me in January and April, I need to call them and say, hey, I need you to get back in front of Jonathan to make sure we're still prepared. But then lenders on the flip side, I think lenders being proactive with their realtors in terms of reaching out to them, whether it's call or video, you guys are also really good at this with, I never understood. So the, hey, lenders, here's a hint. Hint, hint. If you have to call realtors and you don't know what to say and look good on you, because that is not something I'd want to do. You call your realtor partners and say, hey, Marjorie, who are you taking out this weekend? Because let's make sure that the letter is not 90 days old or that they're pre-approved because there's nothing worse than they find the right house on Saturday and you're in a competitive situation. Now you've got to hunt down a lender. You don't know what kind of financing they're doing. In fact, do they have enough cash to close, whatever it may be? We are here to pre-approve your clients. So to me, that's a great reach out and it's valuable. Oh, yes. By the way, the Smiths just reached out to me, forgot all about them. And they're going to show them tomorrow at noon. I'm going to send them back over to you. So there is a proactive way to fill a need and to show that you're there for your partners by making sure that that has been done. And you guys are also really good with, hey, on the team, here's who's on call this weekend if you need help over the weekend, because there's nothing worse than being like, oh, gosh, are they, I don't know, am I going to hear from them or not, right? Having that ability to know, okay, it's Dixie this weekend, right? So if I do need more information between 10 and three or whatever it is, right? Because you show us that. So I think that proactive here I am or, hey, flip side, I'm not here this weekend. Let's make sure we have all your clients pre-approved today or tomorrow is a great way to provide service, but also take value of your time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Jonathan is great about that communication and he'll reach out to agents usually via the method that he knows they're the most responsive yes. to, which is a really good tip as well. Definitely some people coordinate and correspond better by email and some folks do better by text or even call. So usually we'll try to hit all bases so that all of our referral partners are aware of what our schedules are looking like and so that they know how to find us when they need us and that's not a scramble. Yeah, because it's scrambled, nothing worse. It's already a scramble. And this market, oh, when are offers due? And how many offers do you have? And oh my gosh, how are we going to put this together? And now it's like, that's not the scramble I want to be doing. And then I had given you this little hint. So one thing I can tell you guys on the realtor end that I think would be super helpful for the lenders is obviously let's fix the processes we talked about before. But when we get a pre-approval letter, it would be super helpful generally in the letter. And I all totally understand why rates are all over the place and it may be different reasons or how the letters are done. But when you send the realtor a letter for 123 Main Street, for the Joneses, for the offer they're writing, in the body of the email, if it's not in the letter, say, hey, Marjorie, this is conventional with 10% down and the rate we approve them on is seven and the cap rate puts seven and a half. You've just done my whole job for me and I don't have to go, wait a minute. Do I got to Google today's rate? Did they have something I don't remember? Did they decide to do five, 10 or 20%? So the more I know, I can just go in and fill in my offer and not have to text you and say, hey, what percent are they putting down? What rate should I put in here? So the more you can feed us and make us Plus, first of all, we look smarter, but second of all, I can actually write the offer. So I would say any lender doing that, I can't imagine a realtor listening that wouldn't be like, heck yeah. Or if you send a text, hey, I just sent you the letter. It's conventional. It's 10% down. I got it at 7%. They're going to lock or can't lock yet. So put in a cap of seven and a half. They'll be covered. So wait. 
I love you even more because then I know what I need to know. So just something, right? So lenders listening, help us out with that. Be proactive in some communication. Definitely have people that we can reach out to that are you and your partners that do a great job like Jonathan's team do. And then educate your realtors. I know that can be hard because we know everything a lot of the time and we don't need your help, but let's make your buyers more prepared. So again, I think if anything, hopefully today it's given people the realization that if they're a lender having a great right person like you on their team having a great loan coordinator is to their benefit but also what are some systems that we should tighten up what do we need to be looking at how can we be more proactive in communicating with our business partners which frankly is what all of us want and need Mm -hmm. absolutely well thank you for joining me today thank you for having me today it's always a, just a blessing to be able to talk to you. And so I'm sure I will be seeing and talking to you soon. I want to thank everyone who listened today to Real Estate Unscripted. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and home buyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.